0: sit down and buckle up it's time for the pirate monk podcast
1: welcome to another episode of the pirate monk
2: podcast
1: hey uh uh, I'm your old friend,
2: Nate Larkin, here with your other old friend. <laughs> it sounded but like it, it took uh, all your energy to do the intro part, and then it just t- tapered off, and you were <laughs> and ready to take a nap.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, it has been. It's been a full week for me. It's been a full weekend for you. Dude, where did you go last weekend?
2: Yeah, I went to uh, to Colorado, the corporate hub of my job, and we had like two days of corporate things. I've never, you know, for the last, how long have I been doing this? When did I start with you? Like seven years ago doing this job. Uh-huh. The only thing even close to that was the one time you gathered everybody in Franklin. Yeah.
1: But yeah. this
2: was two days of uh, something that was a, just an interesting experience. And I was thinking of our Samson guys because I have worked with some of these fellows for five and a half years exchanging notes being on calls making comments and engineering reports and i had never met most of them face to face right 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 and so i i was really thinking about the retreats and watching guys as they meet face to face when i would meet fellows and being like that is you you are so much taller than i thought you would be um (laughs) but it was it was just a, it was a lot of fun and very strange i realized i have not traveled anywhere without at least one child in tow for yeah. probably 7 years mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. always come with me and so that, that it was very strange especially having the kids 24/7 in the house um, for the last year plus so yeah. that that was fun. It's fun to just have some adult hangout time bowling. I am not, uh, I was never good at bowling, but I was so happy to be with a group of people that I think the highest score I saw all night was 124 or so. Okay. So that so was right. good. It was th- the most ridiculously bad bowlers. <laughs> um, Engineers bowling. Enough it, said. It was yeah, horrible. And and then I got to I got to drive back from Denver to Castle Rock in a new Tesla, something or what? other. I, I I don't know. I was sitting in the way back and I got to feel that stomp on the accelerator. Oh yeah. In uh-huh. your head to the back of the seat fortunately my driver i won't say who it was was willing to get up into the 110 120 mile an hour zone because it was late at night so nobody are you kidding are you kidding the acceleration uh the only thing even close to that experience is being in a jet and taking off it was crazy really So, so it's just a lot of little experiences like that that felt like this is this is fun this is enjoyable awesome then i flew back and cooked dinner (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i'll tell you what i uh, my week was uh enjoyable but but uh, of a different kind and not without a stroke it was
2: disney week for us here oh with really? grandkids oh right. so, yeah. well first you changed condos i see you have a different bedspread behind you we did we actually um, we moved had to
1: move to a different condo so you know we moved a couple doors down in the same complex
2: yeah and then uh, you then took we, how many kids and what ages to Disneyland? Let those parents yeah. who have experienced this feel <laughs> for you. <laughs> Just two of the
1: grandkids, but the youngest two, eight and five, although the five-year-old turned six on our last day there. Uh, and apparently most of the rest of America decided to go to uh, Disney World. Oh, the same week were you we were having there. some long lines? Oh, it was just murderous. Just elbow to elbow, or as my son says, uh, uh, butt to balls. Uh,
2: unbelievable. But I'll, I'll bet the five and 8 year old were incredibly patient and no problem. <laughs> I don't mind standing for an hour and a half to get on this ride that takes yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: well, So wait, uh, At
2: least you didn't do the baby thing. Because that, to me, was always the worst. I Uh I was convinced to go a few times when we had, like, stroller-age kids, to which I'm like, this is very expensive for not fun. And then it's like, yeah, happiest place on earth, Mickey's ass. (laughs) Well, Allie and I, you know, we
1: did the obligatory. We went with the kids and their parents, my son and uh, uh, daughter-in-law. But we actually ditched. Uh, them after
2: about three hours (laughs) good for you (laughs) yeah uh
1: and from 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 the magic kingdom you can catch a a nice relaxing boat that'll take you over to a resort where you can sit by the water (laughs) (laughs) tip a couple and have something to eat and relax in the shade which is what we did
2: that is really funny i'm picturing your escape and you guys (laughs) lounging (laughs) <laughs> well, your poor son is going like, "Where, where did it go? Where?" Oh, I need someone to hold the kid. I got to take the other one in the bathroom. And you guys are on lawn chairs with a my tie or something.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but we did it. We did it. We went, and uh, paid homage to the rat. We did the Mickey Mouse thing for a for a week. Wow! Uh, gl- glad to be home. Or. or Whatever this is, is called, right yes. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and glad to be uh, fully engaged in what Samson's doing, hard at work on, uh, on the book. And we've got some other cool things going, just some very cool things going. And we also have a cool guest this week. Yes. We actually do. Uh, so uh, let's not hold our listeners any longer in suspense. Uh, but take a, a quick break and return uh, with today's guest on The Pirate bump. And welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Our guest this week is John Elmore, who is, uh, I guess, the Director of Recovery Ministries. I'm not quite sure, John, what your title is there at Watermark Church in Dallas, but a guy who is uh, deeply immersed in the world
0: of recovery, Christian recovery. Welcome, John. Thanks so much, Nate. Great to be with you and Aaron on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Thankful to be a part. <laughs> All right. All right.
1: <laughs> Well, uh, hey, what got you into this field? A nice Christian guy? Whatever got you involved <laughs> with all the messiness of addiction and recovery? Yeah,
0: because I didn't used to be a nice Christian guy. I, <laughs> I I tell people, people ask me that. They're like, so how did you become director of a recovery ministry? And, and now I'm uh, one of the teaching pastors here at the church. They're like, how would that happen? And I'm like, well, what is on my resume is 12 years of alcoholism. And uh-huh. drug use and sexual sin, that's what's on my resume that Jesus saved me from and saved me out of, uh, that I could now be in a recovery ministry. Because the hope that he gave me, the restoration that he gave me, the life that he's given me, when I thought I squ- would well, I had, I'd squandered everything, um, now allows me to share that hope with others. Because it says in the word that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always. And so we, what he did for me, he will do for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I I suppose that your experience is much like mine. Is that when you lead with uh, weakness like that, uh, you become approachable and trustable. Uh, from what I understand, recovery and the recovery ministry is a big part of Watermark Church. Tell us a little bit about Watermark and about the recovery ministry, and where you see yourselves working, living, and fitting in the greater Dallas area.
0: Yeah, it's so true what you said, Nate, that humility and vulnerability create approachability. I was sitting in the car mechanic shop the other day and some guy, I had my laptop out and he's like, hey, so you have to work right now? I'm like, I just, I, everything's an inroad, an opportunity. I'm like, yeah, man, actually, so I'm a recovering alcoholic. That's what the Lord saved me out of. And and you, I mean, walls come down all of a sudden. Because oh, he's yeah. he's, he's, everybody's got sin, but not everybody's got a savior. And so I tell people all the time, you show your wounds so that you can share your Savior. Um, Because everybody's got them, but not everybody has has Jesus. And so talk about it freely. They don't define you. Uh, It's just how you can testify. Your identity is in Christ, Um, but you can testify to what he delivered you from. So Watermark is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, non-denominational church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Probably 22 years old now. Our recovery ministry is... Um, probably three quarters of that old. There's 1,200 people that gather every Monday night at our Christ-centered 12-step program. Wow! Which, yeah, which which I, you know, hear me loud and clear. That is a work of God. It's not a work of me. It's not a work of Watermark. Um, mm-hmm. God does what He's going to do. Paul Paul planted, Apollos watered. God gave the growth, and so it is yeah, all. Right, the right. We see it as. And here's another like. Um, great thing is that of those 1200 that come together on Monday nights to seek recovery from porn addiction, sex addiction, codependency, alcoholism, drug addiction, anxiety, eating disorder, everything you can think of, every sin under the sun, they're coming through the doors to find healing. Half those people have nothing, zero affiliation with our church. And so uh, we just call it the spiritual emergency room of Dallas. Uh, where people can come no matter where they are, what their spiritual state is, and they will be they'll be helped and loved, and they will hear the gospel and find healing. So yeah. how do you, with a group that big, how do you connect people
2: on the smaller level with a smaller community and, and keeping that yeah. da- daily thing going that's so
0: important? That's such a great question, Aaron, and so important because what, what we don't want to have is like, they come in and get some great emotional feels and then they walk out with zero connectivity. We know that community, we all know community is so important in the life of Christ and in recovery. And so as they come in, um, there's a worship set. We want people to, you know, theology, biblically based worship through song. So even if they're not believers, they're gonna hear the truths of God and give people a place too, where when you're in recovery so often, you're just like, there's self-loathing and shame and condemnation. And we want people to look upward and be reminded of the the goodness of God and his love for them um, no matter where they are. So there's worship and then there's a teaching and the testimony. So we're going to give them some sort of meat, some nugget of truth. And then there's a testimony. Someone's going to stand from the stage and share three things. Cause sometimes um, our recovery stories can be like 95% gory details Mm-hmm. And the last 5% is like, oh, yeah, and Jesus saved me, and now I'm good. Yeah. And what stands out is like, oh, my goodness, like that's crazy everything you've been through. You just remember all the like tragic details. And so we make sure our testimonies are threefold. What life was like before recovering Christ, what Jesus did in the midst of their recovery to rescue them, and what life is like now. And what life is like now does not mean— Uh, that I'm perfect. You know, he's totally sanctified me and I'm all good. It's like this really vulnerable, like him following Jesus, but I still struggle and stumble or confess. And uh, here's the ways that he's growing me. So it's just really approachable in that way. Then they break up into gender specific groups. So men with men, women with women. And we've got our first time guest groups. We have uh, kind of this intermediary group where, If they haven't yet committed, like they want to go through this year-long 12-step program, they can go and we're building trust with them as a church. They're building trust with us, and they're building trust with each other. And then after some faithfulness of going through the curriculum and attending multiple weeks, they get launched into a 12-step group that is locked. And those uh, 15 men or women have two leaders. They have a coach that's over those leaders. They have small pods within the group, like groups within the group of three to four, where they're peer shepherding each other. And then they get a mentor, another believer from either their home church or if they have no church, just another Christian who's going to walk with them in the day to day throughout the recovery, knowing that, you know, nobody's getting sober from anything, porn, pills, whatever, just by coming to one meeting on a Monday night, but that it's a mm-hmm. daily walk with God. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily, not just on Sunday, not just on Monday at recovery or whatever night you meet, but every single day so that you will not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that's how it's structured for the care within that community.
1: Now, is what you're describing the regeneration? I'm sorry, the regeneration
0: program? Yes. Yep. That's regeneration recovery.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, I've heard fabulous things about regeneration and have, uh, friends who have committed to the 12 month program have really benefited from it. Uh, tell me some more about regeneration, uh, where it's, where it's gone, where it's available, how people might be able to plug in or plant it where they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, and, it, and it is available to be planted wherever they are. We, uh, you can get all this information at regenerationrecovery.org.org, okay. and it's free. Uh, so we, you know, it's, Jesus says, freely you've received, freely you should give. And right. so we as a church want to be an equipping church. And so if the Lord has allowed us to create something that's useful to other people, it's like, hey, then that's yours. There's no subscription. There's no membership fee. There's There's none of that. Now, there are... Uh, there's a daily curriculum that you walk through for 12 months. um, And we do churches buy those, of course, there's a cost to that. And then Mm -hmm. they sell them to their participants. And so it actually can be even a way for a church to uh, get a little bit of of revenue. And then we all, if someone can't afford them, we always give them the books for free um, to participants at that level. But any church can start it. It's a year long Christ centered, biblically based recovery program that. Uh, ministers to any struggle so it's not struggle specific uh, because we find that most people don't just have one particular struggle and that there's (laughs) (laughs) there's a heart or idol issue um, below all of it and so we're going to the heart level it's so gospel focused it's a daily walk with God in community and um, I know for me like as an alcoholic well I'm, I'm 16 years sober now but as a recovering alcoholic when I was first getting sober, all I thought was I just need to get rid of alcohol and then I'll be fine. Never yeah, mind. Right. Never mind the fact that I was going to strip clubs, I was addicted to porn, I was smoking weed, but like the yeah, head was right. you have a drinking problem and then the <laughs> trail of defilement behind me and uh, <laughs> so anyway, we for that reason it's not struggle specific. We want to just like avail it to everyone. And what we find is a guy walks through the door with alcoholism and then he hears some other guy talking about lust. Yeah. And he's like, Oh dude, I'm here for my drinking problem, but I can relate to everything you just said. And so rather than having to go to a hundred different struggle specific groups, they're going to one where Christ is the answer and they're getting like holistic healing. So that's, that's the nature of it. So I'm always, I'm always curious
2: within the context of the church doing this work. Um, for those 600 people that attend that, that night, uh, weekly meeting that go to your church, it it is such a, a hard climb for most of us to say, okay, I'm putting the work in. Now I'm seeing some sobriety, i.e. I'm not doing that action. So now I'm starting to feel like this is working. And then the second there is a slip, the second there is a relapse, all of a sudden we realize, oh, Jesus really wasn't the foundation of my identity. Not doing that behavior was the foundation of my identity, and now I feel totally lost again. And within the church, it can be even harder because there's the, I want to live up to our standard or our image that even when we try not to say, you know, if we say there is no image, that we still create cultures just by virtue of being around other people that we think are getting it right. So how do you combat Jesus actually being enough to be way bigger than sin and slips and even
0: bigger than sobriety? Yeah, totally. Man, it's so good because we do. We put our identity in how long we've gone or haven't Mm -hmm. gone, and uh, we size up sins against one another like, well, I did this, but I never did that. And it's just, it's it's a mess. Um, Yeah. And particularly within recovery circles. And so what we do, and I'm not saying that we've got it like perfected, but what we try to do, um, because everyone can continue growing and we're not, we we have that growth as well is when we give our introduction, instead of saying like, like an AA, uh, you might say, hi, my name's John, I'm an alcoholic or sexual addicts anonymous. Hi, my name's John, I'm a sex addict. Uh, that that's an identity statement, and we don't ascribe to that. I tell people a lot, you are not a sinner who sometimes saints, you are a saint who sometimes sins. And it really matters your identity. It informs your behavior and it forms your heart and mind. And throughout scripture, you see Paul saying, right into the Corinthian church, you were steeped with sin, you're saints, you're holy ones even though they were not living holy all the time. And so even in our um, introductions, we'll say, hi, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ and I'm recovering from lust, alcoholism, and fear of man. And so I'm, I'm speaking out loud my identity. I have a new life, not a better life, not a life I hope to attain at some point, but that I'm I'm born again. I have been given a new life and I am recovering from these things. And what we'll say too, and and maybe this is helpful uh, because we want to stay, it's real easy for me to say I'm 16 years sober from alcohol. It's much more humbling for me to say last night I got on my knees and I had to ask my four-year-old and my eight-year-old for forgiveness for being harsh with them as a parent. And so I'm not sober from that. And so Mm -hmm. what we'll say is, if I was to give my introduction, I'd say, hi, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ. I'm recovering from alcoholism, fear of man, and this past week, being harsh with my children. And, oh, and nice. you know, this past week thing, it normalizes that we're all sinning. That's first John 1:8. If you say you have no <laughs> sin, yeah. if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth isn't yeah. in you. And so everyone is. It's just whether your heart is soft enough to acknowledge it. And then James 5 16 says, confess and pray for each other so yeah. that you can be healed. And so look, if you want to be forgiven, confess to Jesus. If you want to be healed, the yeah. Bible's prescription is you confess to each other. And yeah. so that's another way. That's another way that we'll deconstruct this myth that once you trust in Jesus, everything's perfect and you got sixteen years of sobriety, and so let's Let's grandstand that, even though you were just a jerk to your wife. It's like, no, man, that's yeah. that. Because those little sins are just leading to the powder keg that's going to blow the lid off everything. So anyway, we try to normalize it. And the staff, we do that as the staff over the recovery ministry. Like I'm the one right at the beginning or our women's director, whoever, is going to stand from the stage and say, and this week, and concept, yeah. you know, binging on uh, Netflix or food which is the same idol that leads me to drink too much when I binge on food or whatever. So um, hopefully those things I think create this place of authenticity of like, all right, no one's batting a thousand. And right here, if I'll say also leaders go first or others may never. And so it's the leaders initiative. And you guys are doing this by nature of your podcast and your ministry. Like, Hey, we're going to go first. And then it makes, it makes it safe for everybody else that when you confess your sin you're not going to get stoned to death.
1: Oh, fantastic. I, I this is what Aaron would call gospelicious recovery here. Um I, I we have a little phrase in Samson we say we don't segregate by sin. Uh so uh you're in love, you're in love. I, Yeah, uh you know uh, and in Samson you know porn addiction or sex addiction uh, is an advantage, but not a requirement. So we got guys who come to Samson for other things, but it, 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 isn't it true that all of us share this inner architecture, uh, that what helps one recovering, uh, addict is going to help another. Yes. And in the end, it does boil down to identity. Uh, that's, uh, uh that's a note that Aaron plays on consistently.
0: Mm, praise God! I, it, all what you just said and what you're living makes makes me think about like we don't seg- segregate by struggle. Second Corinthians one, he says, the God of all comfort has comforted you in your affliction, so that like why why did you do that? In part, certainly for your own good, but so that you may comfort those in every affliction, and so uh-huh. you don't have to have gone through something in order to speak. To something, we don't have to have gone through something to shepherd someone in something, and so, and and no temptation deceives you except what is common to man. There's just like God's given us the body of Christ as a gift, and then we as man do segregate mankind. We separate yeah. and, and be like, well, that's worse or different in kind, and it's like, <laughs> everybody yeah. everyone's got their own flavor of sin that they're drawn to, but. We're all yeah. eating ice cream. You just like Rocky Road, and I like peanut butter. But hey, we're all eating it. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, beautiful. Uh, t- uh, tell me about uh, Freedom starts today.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, one, it's a it's a book, and I feel like the Lord put this on my mind. So when I when I first got sober, when the Lord first got me sober, um, I didn't know what to do. I wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking my AA sponsor, I'm like, hey, what do I do today? And he's like, read the first hundred pages of the AA book. And I'm like, okay. So I did that that night because I was yeah. so desperate. And then the next day I'm like, so what should I do today? He's like, uh, read the next hundred pages. Well, pretty soon I <laughs> ran out of big book pages. I'm like, How, what do I do, man? And I I didn't know. And the other thing that, that he taught me that I came to find was a biblical pr- principle. This isn't some like... Christian LifeHack, uh, he instead of making a reactive confession, like telling him, like, hey, let me know if you drink, yeah. instead, of, instead of that, he said, Will you commit to not drinking for the next 24 hours? Yeah. And so I made this proactive decision instead of a reactive confession.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I could not conceive of how to stay sober through a weekend or a holiday or a vacation or a wedding reception. Like I just didn't, I'm like, what do you do after work? What do you do on the weekend? I don't, what do you do when you celebrate? What do you do when you're lonely? I didn't have any conception of a life without alcohol. And so I couldn't fathom quitting for life. And what he did, it was like, but could you quit for a day? Yeah. Um, by God's strength. And I'm like, all right, I can do one day. And so I started to get on my knees and plead with the Lord and at this point have become a believer. Um, Lord, would you keep me sober today by your strength? It says in Romans eight thirteen, if you live according to the flesh, meaning if you do what you want to do, you will die. But if by the spirit, not your own strength, by the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. And this is like a forgotten part of theology and it's so important in our sanctification. One of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is he is the sin killer. like He kills sin. It's right there in Romans 8, 13. It's his job. We can't. I have no power over sin. He is the sin killer, but we've got to bring him into the fight. And so I began doing that daily, not even knowing that reality. And then when I started, I like went to seminary and started studying this stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness, John Owen said the negative work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, negative work of the whole, how can anything that the Holy spirit negative. About. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. what he meant, what he was saying is, is there's the positive work of the spirit, which is he bears fruit. And then there's the negative work in which he kills the fruit of the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and we wrestle and wrestle in our own strength. We try to like gumption and bootstrap and life hack our way out of sin, and it always comes back, and it comes back with a vengeance, unless and until we bring God into the fight. And when we do, He kills sin. Um, But I think sometimes, Aaron, back to your question, we're like, well, I went seven days, but then I fell. It's like, well, ask God to kill it today. Like Martin Luther, again, said, the whole of the Christian life, he wrote his 95 Theses, the first four are all about repentance. And and it's not about like, you know, the guy in Manhattan that says, repent for the end is near. Luther was saying daily repentance, like every day. He says in one of the theses, he says, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, he didn't mean once and for all, but that the whole of Christian life should be one of repentance. So, sorry, it's a long-winded answer. You said, what about freedom oh. trust to today? Yeah, yeah. To today is for people who are struggling that maybe don't have access to um, Samson Society or uh, regeneration for whatever reason, but they can pick up this book and it's a 90 day journey with another person and with God for daily repentance by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, because I didn't know what to do when I was getting sober, it literally says day one, and it walks you through it. Text this person, you know, make a commitment, Let them know, get on your knees or a position of humility, ask God to keep you from that sin for 24 hours, follow up with them the next day, day two. And it just gives you a 90 day path with some theological ways, like we've talked about with identity and whatnot, that you can um, start to have a spiritual mindset in this battle against sin. So that's it. It's 90 days to warring against sin with another person, another believer and and appropriating the power of the Holy spirit to kill that sin and stop wrestling in vain on your own. Wow. All right. So I'm
2: I'm looking at this clock. We still have time for this question, but then you were going to say something. Do you have an unction? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, so as, as you were talking about that and this role of the Holy spirit, which the Holy spirit is by far the most confusing person, the Trinity to me, um, just with how that works and i'm you're talking about this daily fight where paul wrestles with his flesh my this holy spirit's dealing with the sin but i'm still living in the flesh as long as i'm walking this earth yep. and i know that goes back to that identity confusion where if i experience some separation from a certain behavior and then i feel that desire again it can be confusing and surprising. So I forget that I'm still living in a body that has flesh appetites. Right. And so that daily struggle being okay to even realize that who would Peter have been if he hadn't have denied Christ? Well, did that make denying Christ a good thing? No, that's still a bad thing. But was it an essential thing? Yeah, it's essential. So we're like, it's not, it's not as clear as I feel when I'm in the middle of the struggle. So, so how do we, what do we say to people that are like, I feel like a total failure because I still desire this thing, Mm. even when I make it 24 hours without it?
0: Yeah. I would tell them to not feel like a total failure. I would feel, I would tell them to feel totally biblical because what they're feeling is Galatians chapter five and Romans chapter seven, where Paul writes in both of those, in Romans chapter five, it's all. I mean, the whole passage is about this wrestle between the flesh and the spirit, and he gives the antidote to it. He says in Galatians five sixteen. So I say they were they were trying to follow rules. The Galatians, they're like, well, I trust in Jesus for my salvation, but now I got to follow these rules. And he's like, you will follow them in vain. Uh, they will not sanctify you. Only the Spirit will. And so he says, so I say walk by the Spirit. And walk fails us in the English, but in the Greek, it's it's present tense, ongoing, continual, like all day, every day, just walk with God. And he says, and, so that's the command, and you will not gratify. Here's the promise. When you do that, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You just walk with me. You won't do what you want to do. Uh which is the desires of the flesh. And so he says, it's just this daily walk. And sometimes because we're human, we're not going to walk with them. Like I don't pray without ceasing. <laughs> and though I know I should, it's not a knowledge problem. It's a flesh problem. I get distracted and whatnot. And so when those little buzzers start going off and you start to feel lust or cravings or lazy or apathetic or whatever, that's just a dash light on your car. Like, Get back to the spirit, like you got, you got to, you got to pray. Like you're, you're starting to drift to the flesh, and it's a biblical, normal Christianity, and and uh, it's, it's what Paul wrote in Romans seven. I believe in first person. Yeah. Saying, the evil that I do not want to do, this I do. The good that I do want to do, this I don't do. Who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he goes right into uh, Romans chapter 8, which is about the spirit and the role of the spirit. And so, yes, he is confusing because uh, Jesus came and walked this earth. And, and from the spirit, we have just what's written in scripture and then our, our own sensings of him. But um, I believe what you're describing is the experience of a believer. And it's also the indicator that we're starting to drift to the flesh and we need to move back, like volitionally move back into surrender. And longing and leading and, and toward, toward the spirit,
2: and that's the beautiful complexity there.
0: I volitionally
2: do it, well, it's got to be the spirit who's doing it, and we're doing this together. And <laughs> yeah. even when I'm not doing it, the spirit's still praying the prayers that I don't know how to pray, and so I'm I'm always rocking it. I'm just not always involved with experiencing the rocking of it, and I kind of like to experience the rocking of it. <laughs>
0: yes. yeah. <laughs> it, I believe it's a mystery, this side yeah. of eternity. And you know, when my kids need something, they'll they'll operate independent from me, and they'll start to fuss at each other and whatnot. Or, but if they're scared in the front yard because some car drives by slow, or I don't know what, I mean, they'll run into the house. Or if they're hungry, they'll come and ask me. I need some milk, or I need whatever. Um, they're coming to me. There's this per- perpetual coming back to me, especially when they're struggling. And I think. We have lost some of that childlikeness, and we start to struggle and we're like, well, I'll just figure it out. And the struggle Mm -hmm. should be what propels us back, staying in that childlike faith to our father.
2: Um, Uh, And and worse than that is when we think God expects more of me because I've been a Christian for 20 years when Jesus said, oh, no, I told you, you have to become like them. That's that's the hard goal. Well, we yeah. want to respect your time. So let give us one more link as to where people can go to find out more about the stuff that you are up to
0: and into. Oh, man. You, I mean, watermark.org has um, my bio and regenerationrecovery.org, um, the, the book Freedom Starts Today, if that's helpful to anybody. Uh, you can get the first uh, – you can get the introduction, which shares how, and then also the first three entries for free – If you go to freedomstartstoday.org, so um, that may be helpful, or you can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. I don't know how many stores it's actually in, but um, anyway, but uh, hopefully that's helpful. Cool. Well, fantastic. Hey, I understand this is, uh,
1: one of the reasons you're under time constraints today is this is a special day for you and your wife. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, my, so, well, one, I never thought I would be married or be a dad. I thought i had squandered my life so completely Yeah. that, I mean, I, I put a loaded shotgun to my head. I was like, doctors told me I was dying of alcoholism. I was just, I was done. But Jesus, I tell people he will not make you better. He will make you new and uh-huh. so he will, he will do things you never dreamed were possible. So I'm, I'm married. I have three kids and, uh, I thought I had a death sentence on my life and, and, and even just like a moral death sentence of like who in the world would ever want to be with me because of my past. And, um, today I told Nate earlier, I met my wife 12 years ago today. And so that makes it really special. It's just an Ebenezer. It's a reminder of what God did in both of our lives and bringing us together. But also she just walked through breast cancer this year, I guess still, still is in a sense. And so we just want to be thankful, you know, when we're able, be thankful and get away and remember what the Lord's done.
2: Nice.
1: Well, God bless you. Uh, Please give uh, our love to your wife. Uh, Thankful, John, to you and to your ministry. And uh, I really hope that our listeners who've been touched by today's conversation will, uh, Mm -hmm. instead of making a mental note to do it later, uh, maybe shut down the, the old uh, podcast right now and go to regeneration.org or any of the other uh, URLs that have been mentioned and mm. avail yourself of these resources. Mm. All right. Well, listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
2: We are back on the Pirate Podcast. Do you know what I think is interesting? What do you think is interesting? (laughs) Um, We've had a number of conversations lately with churches that are really jumping into not just supporting, here's where you can go for recovery stuff, but but doing it and having their own flavors to it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that's... Uh, it's it's interesting over the years to have seen not just, okay, the church is letting us talk about this, but then getting deeper involved and doing their own things, not even just taking a group from the outside and trying to plant it into their church, but really exploring for themselves. And I really see that with our guests recently is this is coming from their own journeys. Yep. And when this first started, I just remember a lot of pastors I knew being assigned, you know, you're in charge of starting a celebrate recovery group. Go do it. Yeah, they right. had Yeah, yeah. they had no experience in it and they're like, "Well, I guess it's all written out. We'll just do it." Yeah, yeah. This is so different feeling than back Yeah. Then. So yeah, what do you what yeah. do you see with that thought? Yeah,
1: and I and I, well, I also see a growing awareness in the church that uh, addiction in all its forms uh Creates an evangelistic uh, opportunity. Uh, As long as uh, rather than just going straight for the hard sell all the time and swinging for the fences, we actually, like the Good Samaritan, will care to the wounds of the wounded. Uh, It is a way to open the door into the family of God. I love that uh, at least half of the people who come to Regeneration on a Monday night uh, are not members of Watermark Church, but I also am quite convinced that the growth of Watermark Church is probably tied in no small measure
2: to the work they're doing in recovery. It's, that's an interesting thing, bringing the evangelism comment into it, because when I think about Jesus and the disciples and what discipleship meant to me as a young person and then as a young pastor— it was yeah. kind of like you get saved and then you get discipled, which means you get to know a bunch more crap and you do better. Crap. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the mystery, and part of that is because of freaking Charles Finney, your New York bro. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, with the, with the whole idea of that sinner's prayer, where we can tag like, this is when I was out and this is when I was in. Right. And yeah, yeah. like, okay, I don't, I don't know anything about that. And maybe it is for some people, maybe it's not, but. I'm convinced that I have no idea in my life when the Holy Spirit turned on any kind of switch where I believed, since that belief was a gift, and Uh not by my works or words. So I really think discipleship, walking with Christ, being transformed by the Spirit, isn't just for, quote, Christians that have prayed the prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. I think faith comes on the road. And when I look mm. at the disciples, man, they were having the dumbest ass conversations throughout their three years with Jesus. Yeah. They yeah, they yeah. were not fully formed the day they said yes to following Christ. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so are we willing just to walk with folks, to have uh to, to employ the Emmaus Road dynamic and just let's just walk and talk and see where it goes. Uh, it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing to do. And I'll tell you that John Elmore is a he is an energetic guy, isn't he? He is. I'll tell you, I've
2: got <laughs> a long work day.
1: I was like, whoa, all right.
2: And I, I kind of feel like he, he rocks that energy. 24 uh, seven just feels yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that is true. Well, awesome stuff. What do we need to know? Are there any practical things that need to be told besides send us your letters, send us your thoughts, ask your questions, give us your comments. And you can do all of that by sending a, an email straight to
1: Nate. <laughs> at Pirate Monk Podcast at gmail.com I do occasionally check that mailbox. Also... Uh, I am at work, uh, hard at work on the second edition of Samson and the Pirate Monks, the revised and expanded edition of Samson and the Pirate Monks, and am soliciting, asking for brothers within the fellowship uh, who are willing to share their stories uh, with the world to, uh, to, to contribute their story. Hey, drop me a line at Nate at house.org. Uh, if you you are willing to share your story as part of uh, the book. Uh, We want a
2: lot of good stories that people can relate to when that next edition comes out. So what you're asking for is just some of the story of how Samson has impacted people's lives, our community, brotherhood, what they've discovered as they've learned to speak. Whatever is that core of your Samson journey? Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's, uh, and obviously, um, you're not going to tell your whole story, but is there a key, uh, principle that you learned through recovery that you had not, uh, been aware of before? Uh, what's, uh, what's a nugget of wisdom that you can pass along to a reader in a memorable way, wrapped around story, um, uh, because everything that people remember comes in the form of a story. Your story is a gift if you're willing to share it with others. All right. Well, I guess it's a wrap then for this episode. We have plenty more on the pipeline. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. Yes. <laughs> and we are your pals on the Pirate Month.